Well, good morning and welcome to Turning Point Church. Man, I'm so excited to be up here with you guys. I know Pastor Jeff is here, so there's no pressure on you all. You can just relax, no problem. <laughs> you all can be seated. I'll take all the pressure. Now, as Pastor mentioned, uh, well, it, let me say this. If you're, if you're a first-time uh, visitor this morning, thank you for joining us today. One of the things we have here at Turning Point Church is we have our own Bible college and seminary right here at Turning Point Church. It's called Reach Bible College and Seminary. We're in partnership with a school called SUM Bible College and Theological Seminary out of California. Because of our partnership, we're able to offer a, an accredited bachelor's degree in biblical studies for those who are looking to go into full-time ministry. It is such an awesome opportunity. I, I've been blessed to be able to be the director of the school. Part of that program in the undergraduate is our students have to go to Mardi Gras. Now, how many, when you were in college, would have just thought, wow, I'm forced to go to Mardi Gras as part of my degree plan. Wow, what kind of plan is that? (laughs) But they are. They are required to participate in the Mardi Gras conference and outreach in their first and second year. It is is actually a course that they go through, so they, they get college credit. Because of this, it adds an, an additional expense to their normal tuition. So one of the things we set up this year is the Kathy Wickwire Reach Scholarship Fund that y'all have just beyond belief blessed us with. You, you have sown into this, and we were able to raise so much money that every single student in the school was able to get a scholarship towards the Mardi Gras Outreach and uh, Conference. So first of all, Thank you for participating, uh, not just for the students, because that's, that's a huge part is for them, but as pastor's heart and our heart at Turning Point Church here is to continue Miss Kathy's legacy, which is the heart of evangelism, the heart of outreach, and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with those who need it the most. And there's no more needy people in the world than people at Mardi Gras. So we had the opportunity to go there. And, you know, you didn't just give us money. You partnered with us. And that's what we want to, first of all, say is thank you for being our partner. And as partners, we want to share with you just a few minutes this morning, what was the outcome of going to Mardi Gras? What is it that you sowed into? So what we did is a couple weeks ago on February 8th, we loaded up a van And we drove all the way out to New Orleans. That was a long drive. It's the worst part for me is the drive. The worst part for the kids, the kids. Worst part for the students is, (laughs) some of them are older than I am. Uh, Worst part for the kids, of course, is is being out there on the streets. But for me, I just, just, that drive is terrible. But nonetheless, here's the group that we took this year. We had 15 people. We had nine students, and then we had five non-students. As you see in there, uh, you see Pastor Jonathan, and, and there's several others that are not students. They're part of a program called Lead Now. Lead Now offers the opportunity for non-students to go with us to experience everything the students experience out there on the streets of Mardi Gras. It's a fabulous, fabulous opportunity. So I expect every single one of you next year to be part of Lead Now, and we'll take 15 buses, and we'll all go to Mardi Gras. It'd be awesome. So you can do that. If you're interested, just let me know. So we left on February 8th, and we arrived there that evening. As part of the SUM family, SUM has locations like ours all around the country. There's 40 different locations just like ours. 
and a total of about 600 students in the entire SUM family. So all 600 students descend on New Orleans for the Mardi Gras conference and outreach, along with over 100 Lead Now participants. So you've got a, a hotel full of 600 students and 100 Lead Now participants. You know, 600 students all together in a hotel room, college students. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> Fortunately, they're Bible college students, so, you know, only a few things went wrong. We, we do the conference stuff. They do classes, and, you know, they get prayed over, and there's a lot of things that are poured into them while they're there. But, of course, the big thing is going out on the streets. So we've got six or 700 people that you've got to move from the hotel out onto Bourbon Street. It's quite a logistic, logistic challenge. So we break them up into teams of 50 and load them up on buses. And here's one of the, you know, we use the, the coach buses, load them up on the coach buses. We pair them off in teams of two and then groups of 50. And each group has leaders and, and security and all that. And then we march them down the streets of New Orleans from where we drop them off on the bus. And on the next slide, you'll see us walking down the streets. And it's interesting because you'll see 700 people marching down the streets side by side, two by two. There's no arc, but we're still two by two. And we're heading down to Bourbon Street. And people look at us and go, wow, what a, is this a tourist group? Are you guys some special VIPs? And we're like, oh, no, we're Bible college students. And they're thinking, Bible college students in the middle of Mardi Gras? What are you all doing here? <laughs> well, let's tell you that. So we march them all the way down, and then we get them onto Bourbon Street. Now, how many people have been to Mardi Gras? Okay, don't raise your hand. That's for later. <laughs> I'd never been to Mardi Gras uh, before last year. Last year was my first time. I'd heard all the rumors. I'd seen all the stuff on TV. And, yay, it's, it's quite, a, uh, quite an experience. Once we get out onto Bourbon Street, here's a picture of Bourbon Street. It is literally wall-to-wall people. Every night, we're out there four nights, Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. Of course, Tuesday is, big, is the big day. It's Fat Tuesday. We pack 700 students in a one-block area of Bourbon Street. As, as you're looking down this picture here, you're looking towards Canal Street. Canal Street is where they do all the parades. And then there's Bourbon Street. And the street I'm on that I'm taking the picture from is called Iberville. So we've got that one block, 700 students in pairs on the streets in that one block. So if you are fortunate enough to walk through this one block of Bourbon Street, you're going to be witness to 15, 20 times. It's fabulous. So it's funny because I'm at this end. So people walking from Canal towards Iberville on Bourbon Street, they, you know, if they're there, obviously they're not there for Jesus, but they encounter Jesus 15 to 20 times. By the time they get to where I'm at, you know, they're either happy or sad. And they'll let you know. And they'll call you all kinds of names that are not in the Bible. It's awesome. And that's one of the things that the students have to endure, is dealing with all the stuff. Because you know what? It literally is. As Pastor says, it's the lion's den. It, it, this is no joke. You know, a lot of people will ask us, why in the world do you go there? Nothing good can come out of Mardi Gras. Well... One of the things that I was taught, and we used to teach when I was at the police department, I was a former police officer for 10 years, is that when you take ground, like if you're doing a building search or a grid search or something, once you take ground, you never give it up. We have to be very careful in the church that we're not giving up ground. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He will never cede ground to the enemy. And when people ask us, why do we go to Mardi Gras? Because we're not going to cede ground to the enemy. That's why. We're not going to give the enemy any territory. Jesus said that, that the church would storm the gates of hell. And then the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We are the ones who go in. We're the offense. Too often we play defense. So part of this program is to teach our students how to be offensive in a good way with the gospel of Jesus Christ and take it to where people are. So one of the things that's really interesting, even though you get a lot of negative responses, sometimes you get a really good response. And you find people there, you know, they got the beads around the neck, they got the beer in the hand, and they encounter these students And there's just this incredible opportunity for a Jesus connection. And you get to pray for people. You know, here's here's an example of one of our students just praying with some guy out there on the streets. He's not there looking for Jesus, but Jesus found him. And it's incredible to see. People go there for all the wrong reasons, but Jesus goes there for the right reason. The whole message of the gospel is Jesus left heaven and came to a sinful earth to find those who were not looking for him. And this is exactly what we do at Mardi Gras. And this is exactly what happens is Jesus finds people. And people go there, they, they go to party, and then they come out with the joy of the Lord. And it's an incredible thing to see the transformation on their face as the Holy Spirit begins to convict them. Not just of what they're doing, but of their need for Jesus. And that's what happens. 600 people, four days, five hours a day. It's a lot of people praying. And the results are incredible. Let's look at some of these results. We had over 10,000 people prayed for in those four days. Over 500 salvations. 500 people went to Mardi Gras and they came out with a hope they didn't even know existed. They'll never be the same. And this this one I love, 107 rededications. That means people who are Christian went to Mardi Gras and they went, whoa, Jesus, is that Mardi Gras? You know, maybe I ought to do something different. And they have an encounter with Jesus. He doesn't condemn them. He calls them back. Just like the, the, the one of the 99, Jesus went out and found the one that strayed. And there were 107 that strayed that, that Jesus brought them back. So in 106 healings and then and seven had, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible week. But it was made possible because of you. It was made possible because of your, your prayers, your financial support, and your impact here at Turning Point Church. You went with us. You weren't there physically, but you were there with us in spirit. And, and because of that, we want to say thank you. And this is why we go. And this is why you have given. And we will do this every year because it's required. But I want you not just to hear from me. I want you to hear from a couple of our students. So I'm going to ask Tina Jackson and Jeff Hill to come up. Because not only do the people on the streets experience a transforming uh, encounter with Jesus, our students 
experience a transforming encounter with Jesus. This is Tina Jackson and Jeff Hill. They're both second-year students in, 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 the, in the college working on their bachelor's degree in biblical studies. Both of them feel called to full-time ministry. This is also their second Mardi Gras. So they've been out there before. This is their second round. What I'm going to ask them is to share with you how they were impacted this year. So Tina, what was it that impacted you this year in your experience at Mardi Gras? Everybody. This, like Pastor said, this was my second year at Mardi Gras. So I had a little bit of understanding going into it what to expect. Um, a lot of you may not know that I really struggle with confidence and I struggle with fear. And last year was very, very difficult for me. Uh, standing up here right now before you was very, very difficult for me. Uh, but I will do it because the Lord has told me to. But the most impactful thing for me personally this year was a time of prayer and worship that we had. Over those six days, it becomes a blur. And so I'm not sure what day it was, but it was in the morning before we were going to load up and get on the buses and go out into the streets and face the enemy uh, and face that warfare and the people that are so horrible and mean to us and who reject our Lord and Jesus. But the nine of us kind of were gathered in the back of the banquet room and there was worship worship music playing and people praying and the nine of us students I could tell that we were all just defeated feeling discouraged and we were emotionally and physically and spiritually drained because it's hard but we know the Lord called us to it and so we began in the midst of that worship music to just grab hands and get in a circle and begin to pray for one another and begin to speak the word of God into one another and build one another up and just pray for each other. And in those moments, the atmosphere changed and we were encouraged and we were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that day, that's what we needed to get out on those buses and go and face that. Because it is the lion's den. And it's awful. <laughs> but when you have a group of people around you who love you and who believe in you and who encourage you. And who will pray for you and stand in the gap for you. There is nothing we can't do for the kingdom of God. There's nothing we can't do for the kingdom of God. So I tell you that story because I want you to understand that when you give to the Kathy Wickwire Scholarship Fund or you give to our, to our fundraisers, that's what you're giving to. You believe in us. And I thank you for that. Thank you so much, church family. Thank you, Tina. This is Jeff Hill. Jeff Hill's been with Turning Point Church a long time. And he has uh, just felt the call to full-time ministry. He's surrendering to that. So, Jeff, this year, what was the thing that really impacted you at Mardi Gras? Thank you, Pastor. Um, For me, uh, this uh, requirement of the school, uh, sometimes you need a law to get you to where God wants you to be. Um, For me, last year and this year was uh, similar to Jonah. Last year, I was in the belly of hell for three evenings and one day. And I I struggled. I struggled with wondering, what, what is this going to do? What good is this? This is horrible. And I 
thought of them as Jonah thought of Nineveh, you know, just burn them, just let them go. They don't want you anyway. They act like they don't want you. And so this year I, I didn't want to go back and, and uh, you know, I had to. The law said, this law of uh, SUM said you got to go twice. So I started praying. I started asking God, God, give me your perspective. If I'm going to be a minister of the gospel, I need to see you at work. I need to see it firsthand. And I began to pray and I humbled myself. And when I went there, I was just seeking God. And, uh, and as I went out, I'm a type of person that once I commit to something, I'm all in. I give it all I got and I leave nothing on the table. As you can see right now, I just, I'm <laughs> passionate with what God asked me to do. And so when I got out there and I finally get one of them to stop and I start talking to them about the word of God, and I start feeling the passion and the compassion of God and the love of God to them. I start speaking the truth and love to them. And I start seeing the Holy Spirit move on them. And I start seeing their eyes change and their countenance change. And I start seeing tears run down their eyes. And right then and there I know they have come to the throne of God. And that God Himself, the Creator of heaven and earth, is speaking to them in the midst of darkness. And the power that happens, the same power that created heaven and earth, is moving on their hearts and calling them uh, to the throne of the God of heaven. And I always have a scripture when I think of something and, and what this trip meant to me. And I go to 1 Peter 2.9 and it says, But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of Him that has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So when you give into this fund, and you enable and, and equip students to go out on the, into the pit of darkness and, and send them on a mission from heaven, you are, you are calling out to that darkness, and then people come out of darkness. What, look what God has done for you. So I just thank you. I thank you so much. And I thank this church for creating this in the memory of Kathy. It's, it's just wonderful. Amen. Amen. All right. Before you guys go, I just want to brag on these guys real quick. I've known these guys for quite a while. Um, but as far as commitment and discipline goes, both of them are married. They have, they have families. So they're, they're full time as far as husband and, and wife to, to their spouses. They work full time jobs and they're full time students. And both of them in every trimester they've been in, have performed at an academic level to where they are on the national dean's list, dean's list every single trimester. So great job, guys. Last week I shared some of this with my, my class I, I teach on Sunday mornings. And one of the ways I, I tied this in for the class was, well, what does that mean for you guys? You know, we go off to Mardi Gras and, you know, we, we see all this stuff and you see the numbers and all that. But what about you guys? What does that mean for you? Well, one of the things you heard from both of those students, and I can attest to it's true with all our students, is they had to face their fears. Going out there on the streets of Mardi Gras is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. I'm out on the street, but I work security. There's a... There's a 
program called Runners. I, I work as a runner. Basically, it's security because my police background, I just fit right in with that. Uh, I don't go out there to witness. I go out there to make sure they're safe. So I just keep an eye on them. But I watch. I watch what, what they do, and I watch what they have to endure because, as, as, as Tina said, they, you know, there's a lot of people out there that they just don't want to hear it. They're not there to hear about Jesus. They're there to hear about anything other than Jesus and to do whatever they want to do. And when they're confronted with the truth, they don't like it, and they let you know it. And that fear is something they have to face. You know, this image that, I, that, I, uh, that I've got up here on the, on the screen as far as the, the shadow, this is, this is what I consider fear. Fear is a shadow of, of something that's not there. It's not real. And oftentimes we get so focused on the shadow, we get distracted from the truth. And we focus on the fear rather than on the reality of what's not there. Because the truth is that people need Jesus. The truth is that wherever you go, as a Christian, the Lord is with you. This is the truth. But fear wants to distract us from this. And when we get so distracted by fear and we start making decisions based on fear... We hinder our ability to walk into the fullness of the destiny that God has called us into. When they signed up to go to Bible college, they didn't know that they were signing up to go to Mardi Gras. But it was required. God knew. And God intentionally put them in that position so they would have to face their fears. And each one of us in our lives today, God has sovereignly orchestrated our circumstances in such a way that we have to face our fears. Because if we don't, the fear will rule us instead of being ruled by Jesus. We have to face our fears. So this morning, I just want to take a few minutes and talk about fear. The, the den of fear. You know, we talk about the lion's den. But there's a den of fear that we all have to face. I don't know what the fears are in your, in your life. Odds are most of you are not going to go to Mardi Gras. Even though you can go with us on lead now. Most of you are not going to go. That's okay. But there's fears in your life right now that you're facing that you have to face. So I want to share three quick things about fear that we have to realize as Christians. Number one, fear is a natural part of life. Number two, overcoming fear is part of the discipleship process. And number three, victory over fear will bring glory to God. So number one, fear is a natural part of life. Because of sin, we live in a fallen world. And this world will never be whole until God does what he's going to do at the end. This was not God's intention, but when sin entered the world, everything changed. And today, in the world we live in, we have fears. This has been tangibly demonstrated, especially in this last couple of weeks, with, with this horrible shooting in Florida. And whenever something like that happens, there, there's basically two, two uh, stories that are told. And one of those stories wants to tell us, and we're told this by, by individuals and by media and, and by uh, organizations, 
that we can overcome fear through legislation or we can overcome fear through, through control. But that's a lie. We cannot do that. We cannot control a world that has fallen in sin. The other reality is we overcome fear by the truth of the Word of God. That is the truth. But we have a choice. We have a choice to whether or not we believe what the world wants us to believe or we believe the truth of the Word of God. And how we live our lives determines which one we believe. One of my favorite authors, Henry Blackaby, says this. What you do reveals what you believe, regardless of what you say. And you know, there's a lot of great Christians who post a lot of great stuff on Facebook. But when it comes to actually living it out, they ain't doing it. We're not doing it. This world is looking for hope. In every tragedy like this, people are screaming out for hope. You know where they find it? In us. Jesus said, we are the light of the world. We are the hope they're looking for. But if we embrace the world's ideology, where are they going to find hope? How are we going to bring them to the truth if we're living according to their ideology? Because their ideology is a lie. It's not going to bring hope. And that is an advantage for us because when people get there, they still look for hope. You cannot live life without having at least hope that there is hope. Where is hope? It's in Jesus. And we're the ones that have the opportunity to bring that hope to the world. Because fear is just a natural part of life. So we have to, we just, it's just reality. When these students went to Mardi Gras, they could not deny the reality that it was a fearful thing. It is. It's just the way it is. But that's okay. Because part of God's plan in number two is that overcoming fear is part of the discipleship process. You heard their testimonies of what God has done in them in facing their fears. As you face your fear, you discover somebody in you you didn't know was there. The thing about the gospel is the gospel puts in you everything you need to live out the life God has called you to. You just don't know it. And the way you come to know it is by experiencing it coming out of you through the power of the God who is in you. And unfortunately, we tend to shy away from our fears. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what fear is in your life. I don't know what is eating your lunch. But we need to stop asking God to remove the things that make our life easy and start asking God to put in us the strength to face those things in a way that de- demonstrates that we have a God who is powerful. Amen. One of the reasons the world is not seeing the God we worship is because they're watching Christians make decisions based on fear instead of truth. 
We can't have that. We are in a critical time in this world and in this country. This country needs men and women who are willing to stand in the midst of fear. Who are willing to stand up for truth. Who are willing to be different. The world wants you to worship at the altar of the fear of man. That's the ultimate fear right there. You have a choice. You can worship at the altar of the fear of man or you can worship God. But you cannot do both. You cannot do both. And when we find ourselves in a situation where we have to face our fears, now we've got a choice. You know, there's a great story in, 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 the, in the book of Daniel where Daniel was raised up by God through favor to be a governor. Israel had been, been uh, captured and brought into uh, captivity and Daniel is now raised up by, by their captives to be governor. And he eventually became governor of the governors. And the only thing that those other governors who were jealous of him could find fault with him in was that he was a faithful man. He was faithful to his God. So they used his faith against him and created a situation where he had to make a choice. He was given the option to either bow down to the king or bow down to God. And there were consequences for bowing down to God. So he had, to make a, he had to make a choice because the consequences were real. It was a death sentence. When you find yourself faced with fear, are you willing to suffer the consequences? Because life is not fair. It's not meant to be fair. It's not about being fair. It's about Jesus. So when Daniel had that choice, he made his decision, and he bowed down to his God. And when he did, there were consequences. See, a lot of people want God to remove the consequences so it's easy for them to obey. God intentionally sometimes put consequences in so we can discover the real person that's in us. The one that has strength. The one that has courage. The one that has the boldness we want. But we've got to actually do it. Amen. Those things are great posts on Facebook. But when it comes to actually doing it, it's a completely different thing. Amen. But when you do it, you discover who you are in Him and who He is in you. And that is what discipleship is all about. And that is what Daniel discovered. He discovered that there was a God, not just around him, a God within him that could strengthen him in a way he could not strengthen himself. And that's what we all need to discover. Because when that happens, when we allow God to orchestrate our circumstances and we position ourselves to overcome fear as part of that discipleship process, we move, we move into this third point, which is victory over fear brings glory to God. Amen. So what happened when Daniel bowed down to God 
Well, he had to suffer the consequences. The king threw him in the lion's den. We're talking about the lion's den. The king literally threw him in the lion's den. But here's what happened. When he throws him into the lion's den, the king speaks into Daniel in the lion's den, and he says, I pray that the God you worship delivers you. Why? Because that king was looking for hope. And every single person on earth is looking for hope. They need somebody to demonstrate the hope they're looking for. And that is up to you and me to be that demonstration of what they're looking for. And that's what that king wanted was a demonstration. So as we read these few passages on the other side, because what happened? What happened when when Daniel was thrown in? Well, let's look at Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 19. It says, this is after he's thrown in. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able has your God been able how did God demonstrate his ability by allowing his servant to be put in a position that if God didn't come through he was toast we've got to be willing to allow God to put us in positions where if God doesn't come through we will utterly fail because that is what brings glory to God And it says, has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O kingling forever, my God has sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. Here's the thing. The king found him guilty. God declared him innocent. We need not fear the judgment of man but the judgment of God. When God declares you innocent, you are innocent indeed. And because he was found innocent, he said, also, king, I have done no wrong before you. And in verse 23, it says, now the king was exceedingly glad. And he commanded that he should be taken out of the den. And Dan was taken out and no injury whatsoever was found upon him because he believed in his God. There is nothing on this earth that can harm you. For God is with you. For God is with you. So we've got to remember that fear is a natural part of life. That overcoming fear is part of the discipleship process. And that victory over fear brings glory to God. And as we close today... I'm reminded of my time in a police academy. When I went through the academy and when I was a trainer there teaching those recruits, one of the things I told them was the hardest part of, of our job to train you to become a police officer is not teach you how to shoot a gun. I can teach anybody to shoot a gun. I can teach anybody the law. I can teach anybody the de- defensive tactics. The hardest part of teaching you how to become a police officer is to get you to quit thinking like a citizen and start thinking like a police officer. 
The hardest thing in Christianity is not reading the Bible, it's not going to church, it's not tithing, it's not all that stuff. The hardest part of Christianity is to get us to stop thinking like victims and start thinking like victors. That is the hardest part of Christianity. And that's what Jesus wants to do in your life today. If you are a Christian in this place today, you have no reason to ever think like a victim ever again. Ever again. So here's the thing. I don't know what, I don't know what's eating your lunch. I don't know what you're afraid of. But here's what I want to know. Regardless of what it is, are you willing today to no longer approach that fear from the perspective of a victim, but the perspective of a victor. If that is you, I want you to stand. If you're willing to do that today, I want you to stand to your feet. And know today, when you walk out those doors, you have absolutely no reason to ever think like a victim again. Ever. And don't let the enemy ever deceive you into thinking that way again. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you, first of all, just for who you are. Lord, I thank you today that you are the God who saves. And today, because of you, every single person in this room is a victor, not a victim. Lord, I pray that you bring repentance to our minds. Lord, change the way we think. Help us to think like victors. Lord, let us not ask you to change the circumstance. Lord, change us to be the ones who change the circumstance. So I pray a blessing on each and every person in here today. Lord, I thank you for your heart. I thank you for your spirit and Lord I thank you that the that the best days of these folks in here are not behind them they are ahead of them in Jesus name and all God's people said amen Amen. wasn't that a great word amen you know I was thinking back when and I'm so proud of Brandon and the just the growth that I've seen in him over the last number of years. Brendan and his wife, and he doesn't mind me saying this, but they had had a really bad experience in a local church. It burned them so bad they got out of local church for years. But then one day, he made the mistake of coming here. <laughs> and, uh, and here's what happened. He, he's told me many times, they walked in the door and he started weeping. And the Holy Ghost grabbed him before church even started. And he's never left. And now he he early retired from the police force and has gone into full-time ministry. And that's why we call turning point, turning point, because it it tends to be the point at which you turn. (laughs) that's, That's the way God uses our church. And all of you who stood saying, you know, I'm going to take a stand with this fear issue. We all deal with fear, all of us. And it really is uh, a decider of whether or not you go on as to whether you get victory over it. And I want us to do something right now. You stood. 
I want us to bow for a moment of prayer. I want you to lift your hand to the Lord. And just say, Lord, I give you my fear. You are the victor over this fear. And the faith that you have put in me overcomes the world. Now, Jesus, take this fear and give me victory. Now, in your mind's eye, with your eyes, your head bowed and your eyes closed, with, with your eye of faith, I want you to look at Jesus. Just with your eye of faith, look at Jesus. And I want you to picture Jesus holding his hand out and his hand is open. And I want you to picture yourself placing that fear in the open hand of Jesus. Just, I do this a lot. Just picture you're putting that fear into his hand. And now I want you to picture him closing his hand over it. And he's withdrawing it back to himself. And now picture him saying to you, I've got it. I've got it. I do that all the time. Now, if he's got it, he's got it. We're not to reel it back like we're fishing. We're not to throw the bait out there and reel it back. You cut the line and leave it with him. And let's just say, thank you, Lord, for setting me free of fear. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand for this great word? Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to see our local church going into the lion's den and seeing so many people say, that blessed me. Um, tonight is life groups. And I want all of our life leaders here today to, to raise your hand quickly. If you're a life leader, God bless you. They're scattered through the three services, so this, this isn't all of them, but tonight are life groups, and that means we're meeting in homes all over Tarrant and Johnson County, and if you've never been, I encourage you to go to a life group, because we want our church congregation to become a church family. Well, to do that, you got to get out of your shell and go meet people. So if you don't know what life group to go to, just go to the connection point right across to my right. And um, say, here's my zip code. What is the one closest to me? And they'll tell you. And go visit. They eat great food. They worship. They have a great message. And you'll get to know people. You need to get to know people. Amen? Get, quit being a nameless face in the crowd. Get involved. Plug in. All right. Well, I'm going. Oh, and this is the T-shirt that Melanie was mentioning. Uh, if you go, Having to do with the new song that's being released. That's it right there. We can put it on camera. There you go. That's it. We're a t-shirt kind of church. I mean, I say all the time, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I really mean that. I got so many t-shirts I've gotten through the years. Do you know that our awakening group, now that is happening when? Second or third. This Friday, we've got almost 220 young adults. And and it's probably going to have more after today. And I'm preaching on Friday night, and I'm feeling the fire. I love that age group. We're going to have Pentecost at any cost up there. All right? God's going to move. So we're excited about that. All right, Brendan is going to give the shout, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back here to this door, 
because I never get to do this because I'm always preaching. I'm in between services. But since I'm free, I'm going to go back to this door and I want to say hello and meet many of you. I met people today that have been coming to this church for a year and I've never met them. Just go into the door. So Brendan's going to give the shout. Brendan, give me time to run. Absolutely. All right. (laughs) Well, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. And here we go. As we as we go this morning, uh, we're going to shout, Jesus gives me victory. Amen? Y'all don't forget that. You have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night and next weekend. Make sure you uh, say hi to Pastor on the way out. Here we go. Jesus gives me victory. One, two, three. Jesus gives me victory. Amen. God bless you guys.